We're super excited to be launching the pilot episode of our podcast. We've decided to release Ashley King's test episode um, just to try and get a little bit of feedback from, from our community so everything's welcome. Um, we chose to do this with Ashley King because she's been helping us develop the podcast along the way, but I was also a guest on her podcast a little while ago, so it was nice to return the favour. Hope you enjoy and any feedback's welcome. Hi, I'm Douglas Simwiddy, and the Cellarium Sessions are my conversations with interesting people that have had key moments of change in their life and in business. You'll hear stories of real-life examples of people's desire to succeed and what the turning points were in their journey. Join me every week with a brew or a glass of something from the bar to listen into these stories and see if there's something you can use in your own life. Hello and welcome to the Cellar Room Sessions. Um, today our guest is a lovely Ashley King, the entrepreneurial leader behind Flamingo Heights. So thanks for making the journey down today. Thank you so much for having me, Doug. And I think the last time we saw each other, we were on a hot golf course up in Northumberland, I think. Is that right? That's right. Slaley Hall. It was a beautiful day for Coco Charity, who you are fundraising for That's a lot right. this year. So that was a really cool day. Yeah. Yeah. We've set ourselves a bit of a silly target of £30,000 to range this year, I think. So we need to go a little bit, but there's things in the pipe for it. I think the first time we met was a LinkedIn local, we were saying, weren't we? Where, like That seems to be teleporting back a long time now, though. Yeah, so I think it was around September or August 2019, and it was at the Crown Plaza Hotel. So there used to be this um, networking event. It's now changed to Inspiration North Networking. Uh, I don't, I haven't been for a long time, um, but they used to have, you know, a speaker and then a bit of networking. And I, I'd heard of White Digital then because I, I met you um but i didn't know anything about it and then i think we started chatting again in 2021 when you started having some networking events in newcastle yeah networking events that probably follow a similar sort of theme to this really generally involved alcohol and having a good time for the most part sounds like a good plan yeah they were yeah they were very good so a little bit about your journey you you know now you're you know the entrepreneurial leader behind flamingo heights you've got an mba um, you've got a degree, you've run uh, a TEDx at Newcastle University, you've done all those things, but obviously you didn't start out doing that sort of stuff. Um, so take you back to, you know, school days and things like that. Were you a good student? Uh, I was a very chatty student. So um, I was uh, always in detention uh, because I was always talking. I was always dreaming. I was very creative as a kid. Um, I always had a new business. So I would sell my drawings or pictures. I would charge people to listen to me read. I would put on dance performances and I would charge my family to come and attend. Um, I've always loved defense. I've always loved being on stage. Um, but also I had quite a rough time, um, particularly between age six and nine, because I was um you know, uh, sexually assaulted by a family member. And so what I wanted to say about that is a lot of people don't realize that behind your, you know, wonderful, um, happy smile, there's often everyone has a story. And I think for me, one of the things that I love now as a 33-year-old is just the way that you can reclaim your story and just be brave and strong. And um, that's why I created Flamingo Heights, because it's a way to help people share their story with the world. And it's something I do as well through my own podcast. So there's loads to unpack there. But I think um, in terms of being good at school, yes, very much a dreamer, very naughty uh, in terms of chatting. And I was in something called the Chatterbox Club. Now, uh, I actually think that's one of the reasons I love podcasting. So 
I had a really um, progressive teacher. So I grew up in South Africa and it was quite strict compared to the UK. So perhaps how people in the UK experienced education in the 70s before Pink Floyd's The Wall and things like that. It was very much, you know, you would still get people um, getting uh, cuts on their hands if they were naughty in some schools, uh, you know, lots of detention. I remember one time having to uh, cut the rugby field with scissors, like a nail scissors. It took me all day and I didn't really get more than a, a few, you know, um, meters because it just takes a really long time. So I had this one headmistress who said that, well, rather than put people in detention who are chatty, what if we put them in a club called the Chatterbox Club? And so what she did is she taught us how to debate, how to write, how to present, how to interview people. And all of those things were really powerful because they gave me skills and tools that I didn't even know I needed. It sounds like you there had quite a progressive thinking teacher in quite a, you know, you still got capital punishment and things like that, you know, like, like, like how much do you kind of assign like where you are today to like that one kind of decision from that one teacher? So, so much. I think about it all the time. I had actually forgotten that story, but I've got a, a good friend who I know you know as well, Alex Thompson, who um, helped me write some copy when I first had my business in 2019. It was an events company and I was trying to work out what my special things were to help people. And we realized that I could help people to share their story and show their story through digital marketing or events or different things. But one of the things we worked out was part of that was because of the chatterbox club and you know always wanting to be a writer and so that was quite a powerful um he actually helped me to remember that and I think that's why it's so important to work with other people who can tease out the bits of you that you've forgotten so you go from chatterbox club at school and fast forward to now you know you got your own podcast and presenting and things like that did you leave school go straight into presenting and things like that or did you go down a different road and forget all about it for a while so it's a really interesting question so in South Africa I was really good at drama and performance and I did every kind of you know um, ballet flamenco Irish dancing highland dancing jazz tap all the dancing you can imagine um always pirouetting somewhere um I no, I've laughed at this with you before because a lot of people say, oh, you're from South Africa. It's so such gorgeous weather. You must know your way around a golf course or around the cricket pitch or rugby. And I love those sports. I particularly like rugby. But for instance, I was always um, dancing. I was always swimming. I was on the swim team, cross country, you know, so I had other activities that I was involved in. I think um, I was always on stage, but for me, that was a way to um, actually... Uh, put forward a mask, you know, that everything was fine for me at home. And so what I found um, with the stage is that actually um, it just felt like I could be whichever person I wanted to be. Uh, when I moved to the UK at 14, it was quite difficult because everyone in the UK had uh, established friendship groups. You know, you coming to a comprehensive school where people are 14, they've chosen the A-levels, sorry, GCSEs, you're going into that level and you don't know what to choose, first of all, but you've got to make friends. You've only got two years to make these friends, but you're leaving all your friends at home. And so that was quite a hard transition. And what that meant as well is because I had this very strange accent is they didn't want to put me in any of the shows because they didn't understand how I spoke. So all of a sudden I'd gone from, you know, being like, um, 
a prefect or in all kinds of competitions and things like this to and being very popular to being this kind of really weird girl that had a weird accent and I just couldn't really find my space or, or my way to fit in and so I actually stopped performing and stopped doing presenting acting anything like that until uh very recently around 32 31 um when I I started sharing my story and people um shared that it was really touching them mm. um and that was quite a surprise to me it's so that whole journey of like coming to South Africa coming from South Africa to the UK which by the way I think the South African accent is amazing like can you still fake it uh yeah I can oh, hang on let me start again um so we we often get do you like white bread or brown bread I don't know if you've heard that one yeah. um uh but yeah if I speak like this I'm from Johannesburg originally but then I lived in this place called East London it's on the garden uh route which is along the cape um you know it's it's like you drive down from durban all the way past all the places and then you get yourself to cape town i mean it's that's not very good at all but, um, <laughs> yeah, but like for instance yeah there there are um i, I guess it, you know when i'm having a drink like now <laughs> you know ask me in a few minutes and i might i might have a better accent <laughs> Uh, we used, with all of our old South African friends, it was always a thing about now and now, now and just oh, now. Oh gosh, yeah, and that's a whole mean, thing. Like, specific things. Yeah, like, now means in a week or something. Absolutely. And now, now means like quite soon, and just now means like I'm going to go and do it right now or something like that. Is so it? I think it's the other way. Is it? So right, now okay. is like you're going to do it now. Yeah. If you say now, now, it's like you'll do it in a little while when you feel ready to. And just now means like. Yeah, whenever, like, it's, it's, but the thing is, we call it Africa time because it's just a totally different world. Yeah. And when I got home, even, um, it is changed, the pace has changed, but yeah. it's just that in the UK and in the US and other parts of the world, it's just so busy and mm. so intense. And mm. what you'll often find in South Africa is like, you know, the kids finish school at like half past one in the afternoon and then you go and do sport all afternoon. So it's amazing. You don't get many obese or overweight kids. Yeah. I mean, I used to do sport from half one till five and then practice my dancing or swim for four hours, you know, every day. So it was a lot of exercise. That's probably the reason why South Africa keep beating English in the Northern Hemisphere all the time. <laughs> yeah. as well, so take you back to that time you've come to school and it sounds like almost you inadvertently through that change of landing in the UK, having a different accent, having to fit in at the school, having to find friends, you ended up kind of getting off path. And by the sounds of it, for quite a long time before you kind of found yourself back again in your, your late 20s almost. Do you look back at that now and think, oh, I wish I'd just stayed on that path now? Or um, So what specifically happened for me is I always wanted to be a writer so or an actress, but um, I really wanted to be a writer. And so I even went to university when I was uh 20. I went to uh, Leeds Trinity and All Saints, um, which was great. And it's in Horsforth. I know you went to Leeds. Um, I did. I went to Leeds Metropolitan. It was yeah, it's now Leeds Beckett, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah, the poly, basically. Yeah. yeah. But great, yeah. great unis. You know, I, I loved it. I played hockey. It was fun. Um, I really enjoyed uni. But um, I... While I was at uni, my best friend was murdered. So I was 20 years old and it just completely broke my heart. And 
I was also, uh, I was just completely shocked. I wasn't expecting that. So it was, it was a burglar who'd broken into his house. Um, there were all kinds of circumstances attached, but as a 20 year old, I didn't feel I had the skills or resilience to deal with that. It's amazing how your body protects you and your mind protects you. But for me at that time, I just couldn't write anymore. So my goal at that time had been to intern for the BBC. So I wanted to go and be a festival, um, journalist and go around. I wanted to be the next Fern Cotton or Alexa Chang, go to all the festivals. I wanted to be at Download, Glastonbury, everywhere, and just talk to people about their story, why they love music, why they're at the festival. And uh, I just all of a sudden couldn't write. So I pulled out of uni and was really upset. I didn't know what to do. So I'd always worked at Nando's for a while. So I went back to Nando's and they welcomed me back with open arms. Um, They're a great place to work actually. But um, I went back to Nando's and I just worked until I felt like okay to do something else and I found myself temping at Newcastle University and I didn't ever plan to work in a university but I just got promotion after promotion after promotion and worked my way up and then I got to a point where without an MBA I couldn't really get any further so I decided to do that but in that time I discovered that I still loved writing I still loved talking to people I still loved their stories and I was unexpectedly made redundant and then I started my own business but it was doing events and making things beautiful and festivals and all that kind of thing and I made no money Doug I mean I'm sure you've been there but like uh-huh. I worked for like eight pound an hour for people without any holiday pay, sick pay, you know, without any um, tax included. I just don't know what I was thinking, but it was it was like a hobby, not a business. And that was such a unique learning curve for me. And what it did teach me was how to value your time, how to value people and things like that. But what it also taught me was I love to talk to people. And so I then, um, yeah, found myself on a podcast. Someone asked me to be featured for a couple of minutes. It was three or five minutes. But what happened was so many people said, I love your voice. Where is your accent from? I was like, well, I'm a South African Irish girl who's part Dutch, French and Scottish and Irish and English. Um, I don't really know where I'm from, (laughs) you know, and, and, you know, I'd been traveling, um, to different places for, for work. And I, you know, I had a, I was spending a lot of time in Canada. They thought I was from the British Republic or, um, you know, it was just really interesting, this accent to people. And I just was surprised by that. So I thought, well, I'm going to do an MBA. I've always wanted to do this course. What if I, you know, it's a huge opportunity risk to be out of work for a year, um, and a half, I'd, I was on a really good salary. And I thought, well, what if I interview thought leaders for the next year and just chat to them about their stories? I, I wasn't expecting it to grow or, or do anything, but it was just for fun. And it just grew and grew and grew. And now I have a podcast studio. So it is like a dream come true. I am still a chatterbox. I just never thought I could make money from it. The thing that got you in detention. Yeah. Well, and it's funny how that always turns out. The thing that got you into trouble actually ends up being the thing that you make money on. I think even nowadays, it's even more like kids making money from playing computer games online. And like you can have a career in almost anything now. It's just pick pick the thing you're most passionate about and go after it sort of thing, isn't it? Sounds like you're a bit of a chameleon though. 
I think a chameleon is actually a skill. Um, yeah. Some people might see that in a bad way. Um, I think in some ways I've had to be a chameleon to survive um, trauma. But in another way, I think that it's one of my top strengths is um, being able to build rapport quickly with people and being able to really take an interest in their journey. So I love people from all walks of life. Um, I love working on community projects where we celebrate different cultures, heritages. I love to learn um about different customs and traditions. So uh, I think there is that. But also uh, one of my gifts is to be diplomatic. And so to be diplomatic, you need to be able to adapt um, and you know, uh, change your style of, of working with people in different ways. It sounds so. I mean, that, like that's one thing I've noticed. Like getting to know you over the last whatever it is three years or so now since we've gotten getting to know each other. Everyone that you can that I see you kind of interacting with. You can it seems seems like you're on a very personal level, and that's actually even true about your podcast as well. You always manage to you know really interact with someone on a personal level. Is that something that's like a conscious effort thing that you're trying to do, or is that something that feel like feels like it's come quite naturally to you now? I think it comes naturally because I'm genuinely really interested in people. So it never feels forced. It's always like, hey, tell me about your story. I just, I feel like a sponge soaking them up. But, and then it's great because you'll be at some other event and you'll think, I know exactly who you should meet. So it means that you become a, a connector of people. You know, um, one of the things I like to say a lot is collaboration over competition. So competition is worthwhile and everyone needs it to survive in business. But I... Um, I really like to work with others. So one of the things that surprises me is um, the other day, someone called my Flamingo Heights studio a, an agency. And I was really shocked by that because I guess in a way we are, but I don't think of it like that. I think of us as a collective. For me, there's no hierarchy. We are different collectives with different skills that help each other. And that's what makes me smile every day is turning up and seeing the people that are around doing their best work and looking after each other. We all grow through our feedback. Um, so yeah, I found it really strange, the concept of an agency, but maybe that'll grow on me. Um, but I think it's, it is a re really, people are so important. Relationships are important. Yeah. I think we're, we may be moving into a time now where like having like a normal organizational structure and things like that, you know, maybe there is something coming in the future where, uh, you can you can have an organization with multiple people and like have it like non-hierarchical sort of thing we haven't managed to figure that out at white digital you know we've still got a normal organizational chart normal structures and things like that but i did see a really interesting thing recently where there's a uh a, a shoe company that's an, an off kick from clark's and their organizational chart is literally just a circle and everyone's completely in a circle and there's no hegemony in the whole thing whatsoever it's completely in a circle so it'd be interesting to see when you've got 30 people in your collective as you call it sort of thing like how that kind of dynamic all works and things like that yeah that is a really good point I think there is a difference though so for me right now we operate as a collective mainly because of necessity I mean uh, I never expected to have a podcast studio that was several things that fell into place and it's the most beautiful space and I love it because Agreed. everything's been painted and nurtured and upcycled and you know we've we've saved a lot of money in the way we've done things but at the same time right now I can't hire a team so I work with teams I 
build the right people for the right tasks. And I'm really proud of the people that I work with. We, we work together really well. But I just think it's so interesting because if you could hire someone and have all those people, it would be wonderful. So that's why I also think transparency is good. You know, letting people know, look, we're all, we all have our own businesses, but we're here. We choose to be together. And because you choose to be together, it means that you're more honest. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're kind of like, oh, I don't like that lighting. I mean, you know, I've, um, my colleague Joel will always um, put his foot down about certain decor that I want in the in the set and um, just little things like that. Yeah. And it's it's nice to have those chats. So I am um, I on the other hand, you know, having done an MBA and done a very traditional you know business course in that way, I do think there's something about power positions, um, organizational structures that can be very important. Sometimes we can have too much freedom and then people don't always like it. Um, it's important to know where you stand on certain matters and having, you know, um, some discipline or some kind of uh, format or consistency or structures or processes keeps people safe, but it also keeps people psychologically safe. And that's really important. Yeah, I think it, it depends on what kind of level of understanding people are able to get. Like if all of your the goals and objectives are all perfectly aligned and everyone's actually, as it turns out, this one particular future is exactly the right thing for everybody, then you probably don't need all the structure an organization because everyone's going to keep pulling in the same direction the whole time but if you've got one person that's defining a particular thing that organization almost has to come in line because otherwise people kind of they'll go off on their little and it will never ne- necessarily be exactly in the right kind of direction all the time as you're speaking there I notice you've got the chameleon thing, which I think is very natural and everyone kind of does it you probably maybe even have it have a stronger a stronger kind of chameleon aspect to you with like what went on in your childhood and then having to move to the UK and come again. But then there's this like honesty thing that drives through everything and like trusting other people to like not have any hierarchy in an organization. And it's like that balance between, you know, like having that chameleon thing, which we all do and is a necessary thing to go through, but then also having that, that honesty running through. Do you find that like a difficult thing to balance? Sometimes. So sometimes I'll find... Um, a great example of this is I recently found out another um, person was starting a podcast studio and they're really influential. I really look up to them and they didn't tell me beforehand. And I was a bit surprised because of some of the conversations we'd had. And in the past, I would have got really upset. But the first thing I thought was, this is so cool. This is someone who's won awards, is really well known and is, you know, someone I look up to and they are starting something in my industry, this validates my industry. And I was so proud of myself because we all have different things that we are good and bad at and we all have things that we struggle with. But I have certainly struggled with self-doubt. I've struggled with self-doubt as an entrepreneur. Um, My biggest challenge when I first started was I had worked at Newcastle University for 10 years. So in my head, there was always a good practice way to do things. I had been a manager. I had managed teams. I'd managed projects. I'd been, you know, dealing with quite complex stakeholder relations. I'd done press stuff. I'd done all kinds of projects. And now, you know, um, I I am now the person who is in charge of health and safety and all the bills and, and winning work for my collective, but then making sure that we deliver on time and we project manage it and it's to a high quality and actually giving feedback sometimes if it's not quite right, making sure we're on track and schedule, you know, all sorts of things. And on top of all that chief milk buyer, chief, exactly. you know, like And you'll, you'll know this so well. Um, and I know, you, thankfully for you, is you, you've worked and you've grafted for seven years and, you, well, eight, maybe now. 
now. Seven years. Right. Yeah. I, I'm just remembering from uh, your chat with yeah, me yeah, pre yeah. previously, but you know, you get to a point where you actually do have the the income to grow, or you do have the people to grow. But I think part of that is resilience, and part of, and I think part of that is also, you know, you said, is there a bit of a tension between the the chameleon, and is there a tension between being nice and being honest? Um. I, the way I choose to do business is to be honest. I choose to give feedback. I choose to say, actually, hang on, that's not going to work for us because you need to pay us properly or this isn't the right fit. Um, so I, I recently turned down a project where it was um, uh, sponsored by a betting company and it wasn't the right fit for that reason because it didn't click with my values. That doesn't mean that for someone else, that's not going to be the right project. It just means that there are certain um, industries that I won't uh, endorse. And I think it's important to have values because if you have values, then it means that the powerful, positive parts of being a chameleon and being able able to build rapport and change and adapt um they're great but it also stops you know that ability to manipulate people or, or other things that is the darker side of that strength you know um that's what keeps me grounded and makes me you know in uh, keep my integrity yeah and i think there's that thing about congruency and like being honest that the moment you start doing something that that doesn't quite fit that's then going to take up a period of your time or your mental capacity or your efforts and your energy or whatever, which is time that you then can't use to be doing the thing that is actually like right for you. You end up get caught up in a bit of a cycle where it's you almost end up having to keep doing the wrong thing, the thing that isn't quite right, because that's the road you've gone down and you haven't clearly defined exactly what it is that you're trying to do. Absolutely. So there's a book called Profit First. It's one of my favorites. I can never say his name right. I think it's Mike Mikhailovich, something like that. Um, but he says that the best um, way to get something done is to go directly from A to B. Yeah. And actually, sometimes we complicate it by going up here to C and then down to F. And it, we just go all over the show, you know. And actually, sometimes we just need to do the hard stuff in a consistent way repeatedly and that's what helps so that, that's kind of that's one of my things consistently achieving successful actions over time and there's a chap called grant cardone and i was i watched a bit of his bit on social media the other day and there's that that kind of like what's people the meme that you get on social media sometimes it's like what people think success looks like and it's this straight line and then there's what success actually looks like and it's this wiggly line going all over the place and then straight at the end and grant was saying like it doesn't have to look all wiggly like it can be a straight line but you just have to know what your line is what the next thing you're going to do is how to achieve it successfully and all that and if you knew, know all the steps it's actually a fairly straight line to success really you know you don't have to make all the mistakes and go all over the place absolutely i think entrepreneurship can be very lonely um, one of the things that has touched me a lot this year is something Stephen Bartlett said, actually, is that sometimes if you feel stuck, zoom out. And if you actually zoom out and look at your life or your work in a, from a wider perspective, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, how much have you achieved? And actually, you're not competing with anyone. And that's why I think it's so important and why I keep saying collaboration over competition, because in my opinion, together we rise you know um that, that's something that i think a lot yeah so you've mentioned books a lot you read you all the listen time to audible or do you actually read like i don't i don't actually read that much anymore because it's a time thing yeah but you've actually find time to sit down with a book and actually read a book i, I do like to read i love to journal so I, I write a lot so i'm actually writing my own book at the moment right. i've got four books i want to write um but i, I do want to write my story i might never share it with anyone um but i think that 
we'll see. We'll see how I feel. Um, but journaling is a great way to to meditate and just make it, it keeps me grounded again. Um, and I think in terms of books, love reading, love listening to books, especially while I'm running or walking to work. Cause I try and walk to work. It's good for the planet. Um, and then, yeah, uh, I just love books. I'm trying to think of lots of favorites, just so many. So top three. Oh, top one. Top one. <laughs> Do you know, it's so funny. It's not my favorite book, but actually the Bible's really interesting. So I grew up very Christian. Um, but if you want like intrigue, like violence, like burning bushes, bur- there's it. all kinds of things <laughs> going on in there. Um, but that's not my favorite book. Um, I'm trying to think. They always say, what was your favorite as a kid? Yeah. Um, honestly, my mind has completely gone blank with that. But I think um, I used to really love Nancy Drew books as a kid. I don't know if you ever heard of her, but she was like a a teenage detective. And um, I really liked her character because she was adventurous, she was brave, and she stood up for what she believed in. And that meant a lot to me as a role model as a young kid. So, um, yeah, I'd probably say Nancy Drew books. They're not the most intellectual, but in terms of fondness, it brings back nice memories. And it got you into reading. It did. And I've just remembered, um, so favorite books, uh, Charles Dickens, I absolutely right, okay, love. Yeah. I'm a big fan of um, Oscar Wilde, Charles Dickens, Jane Austen, all those types of books. Um, but Alice in Wonderland or Great Expectations um, are probably Never. my two favorite books. Neither of which I've ever read, actually. Wow. Way, Hopefully to... you've seen films around those. Yeah, I have, yeah. yeah. But I think probably picking up the books probably something a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. So from here on out for Ashley, Flamingo Heights, that's going to keep going. We've got a new book coming by the sound of it as well, so probably well, short. Yeah, I mean, let's see if I share it with the world. But if I'm telling other people that I'm want to help them share their stories with the world, then I should share my own. Um, I think I really just want to grow this collective, not an agency, but a collective of creatives who are challenging the status quo and producing great work together. Um, I, I just hope that I can use my gifts and skills to help others, but also, um, I really believe like my mission is to share my story with the world or help people to share their stories with the world. So hopefully more podcasting, more time on stage. You know, I've recently become a guest, an expert in residence with a business and IP center in the Northeast. So I'm training all over the Northeast, Hexham, you know, South Shields, Bladen, Newcastle on starting a podcast, which is fun. And then also actually working on projects all over the the Northeast and wider now. So So, you go from worrying about competition or not as the case may be now to actually helping everybody in the Northeast become a competitor, really. Well, that's it. But again, collaboration of competition. I know that there will be people who have who do the same thing but we all have different skills some people will like to work with you as a podcast host some people might like to work with me as a podcast host so it just uh, it can often be about personal preference energy whether you like someone or not so I'm not worried I'm excited um and watch this space I really can't wait to see what comes next good good so you've spoken about honesty and, and and we've also talked about the comedian thing, but if you had like like one core life skill that you've developed and that you use on a daily basis, it's helped you get from where you were in South Africa, you know, a young South African girl in England to where you are today. Like is there one core thing that you do that's helped you get somewhere? I think curiosity. So um, I 
think that being curious about yourself is so important. So taking the time to be self-aware and explore your feelings. So we all interpret situations in different ways. Sometimes we get hurt. I often get hurt. Um, but what I've come to learn is actually in the past, sometimes I've felt hurt about things that it, they were never intentional by the other party. And so I think curiosity is important because not only are you learning and you're learning about the world and, you know, I love to read all kinds of different things and um, watch lectures and um, upskill myself. At the same time, I think being curious about yourself is so important and your friendships, your relationships and before judging others, just think from a, a different perspective. Yeah. I think it was a nine signing thing. So he said, um, like, try and be like a child your entire life, like always try to be learning and on the judging of the people's action things. Like I, I find that there's very few people in the world that are actually like inherently bad people. They've just, something's happened recently and they're behaving that way because you don't have a clue what's going on in their lives half the time as well. So just to wrap up, obviously we're in our cellar room here. Um, you can have any drink you like in the cellar room. What's your favourite tipple? I just love a good old fashioned pina colada. I'm a huge fan of pineapple and coconut. And, you know, I grew up in South Africa, so we had lots of very tropical trees. And, you know, I got to eat a lot of really gorgeous fruits every day. But I just love um, that feeling you get with a pina colada. What would yours be? Well, in the cold, wintry months in the UK, pina colada is probably the last thing on my mind, I think. A glass of red wine or a pint of Guinness, I think, in the winter. Um, and then some kind of something involving rum, I think, in the summer, if you ever get there. But for some reason, whenever I was down in South Africa, you still had Carling Black Label when I was down there, which is something we had in the UK when I was kind of 18 or whatever. So it would just always gravitate to that there. And that always reminds me of South Africa. But anyway, thank you very much for coming in. Ash, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. So thanks for coming down. Thank you very much, Doug. Pleasure. Um, so thanks for watching. Uh, if you've enjoyed what you've seen here uh, and you want to you wanna hear a little bit more, um, there'll be another episode coming out next week. Uh, and if you want to leave us any feedback and anything you'd like us to do differently, also very welcome. So please like, share and all that kind of good stuff. And thanks for watching and see you next time.